Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today, and especially those people following us on Facebook. We've got the Zoom working. Uh, We've got my guest on video. Um, Oh, this is a, a, a landmark day for the Conscious Consultant Hour. Yay. All right. Let's get started with our quotes of the day from Mike Dooley in the Universe and from Abraham, and then we'll get to our interview first from the Universe. You know how sometimes when you visualize, you end up daydreaming too? Or when you finally remember to perform an act of faith, it feels kind of hokey? Or sometimes you catch yourself worrying or thinking too much about the past or wondering whether or not you have invisible limiting beliefs holding you back. Well, that's exactly what all illuminates go through would all illuminate, go through, especially the good-looking ones. But when they arrive, in spite of it, and so will you. Uh, worry not, just keep chugging. Hugs the universe. Ah, we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. This one is a little disjointed for me. Um, talking about, uh, yeah, it's like we don't get everything perfect right away. We may visualize, we, re- we may remember to act uh, on faith, and uh, we may remember to, to do the right things, but then sometimes we get sidetracked, we, uh, we we're, you know, do things, but not quite right. Well, you know what? That's everybody. Everybody goes through that. We're human beings. We don't get it perfect right away all the time. And even once we do do really well at it, sometimes you know, we just have an off day. And to be honest, today is one of those off days for me. Uh, May not sound like it, but I had a really rough night last night. I don't know. I was having all kinds of weird dreams that woke me up and and didn't get uh, very good sleep last night. And, And so, you know, this morning was really feeling kind of off. Um, And that happens, you know, just because uh, we're used to having good days, just because we're used to having uh, things go well, uh, does not mean that we don't sometimes have uh, difficult days, does not mean that we don't get thrown off every once in a while. Uh, It doesn't mean that, you know, we get it perfectly all the time. Of course, that's what we strive for. Um, But I think it's really just that practice of being kind and gentle to ourselves and and just, you know, being understanding that it's okay. We don't have to be perfect. You know, we do mess up once in a while. And those are the times, especially those are the times to practice self-care, self-love and kindness and gentleness with ourselves. And, and personally, I find sometimes that when we're going through that rough patch, it's a little bit humbling. Uh, it helps us to uh, be a little more kind and a little more uh, understanding of when other people go through the hard times. So uh, I think it does serve us, even if in the moment it's not very pleasant. All right. A good quote from the universe, a good reminder to not worry, but just keep chugging. All right, let's see what Abraham has in store for today. The reason you want every single thing that you want is because you think you will feel really good when you get there. But if you don't feel really good on your way to there, you can't get there. You have to be satisfied with what is while you're reaching for more. Abraham. Mm. Really good quote from Abraham. That's really, to me... uh, I love these quotes that are really about the journey and not the destination because so often we find ourselves like just saying like, Oh, when my business is really thriving, I'm going to be so joyful and happy. Oh, when I meet the perfect person, you know, I'm going to be so happy. Oh, when this happens, when that happens and we put all these conditions on our happiness and our joy And that so misses the point. And that's what Abraham's talking about here, that it's really about having a joyful journey along the way to those things. There's nothing wrong with having goals. There's nothing wrong with having uh, direction and having a place that we're trying to get to. But the best way to get there 
is to enjoy the journey, is to enjoy uh, the steps along the way so that all this time in between is not wasted. I did a whole show on this uh, last year, a year before last, called uh, The Dash. Um, And for those of you who don't remember, The Dash is that dash on your tombstone where it has your birth date and it has your death date and there's a dash in between. And that's where life is lived in between those two dates. Life is lived in the dash. And it's the journey. It's the everyday, day-to-day little things that make all the difference in the world. And there's no point in putting off our happiness, in putting off uh, anything until we hit some milestone, until we... Uh, 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 arrive at a destination. It's so totally missing the point. It's having that joyful step-by-step path along the journey. Now, look, every step is not necessarily joyful, like I just said before in the prior quote. You know, we're human beings having a life experience. There are ups, there are downs. And that's okay, the Buddhist concept that, you know, suffering is caused by um, not accepting what is, uh, to me, is just so relevant about this is just when we can just accept what is, whether it feels blissful or it feels agonizing, when we release our resistance to it, we're able to glide through things so much easier and we're able to enjoy things so much more and we're able to get through the difficult parts so much more quickly. So if we can really, and and this is what Abraham said, to be satisfied with what is while we're on our way to reaching for more, right? We, We don't have to stay where we are, but if we just don't resist it, if we just don't deny it, if we just don't say you know, oh God, I don't want to be here. I want to be somewhere else. And I mean, of course we feel that way. We all feel that way sometimes. Um, But if we can just know that it's all going to change and that we're not going to stay there and that it's all just a part of life and that by going through sometimes the difficult stuff, it helps us to appreciate the great stuff in our life all that much more, you know, then hopefully it can help make things a little bit you know, easier to to get through. All right. So two wonderful quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe and from Abraham. Um, Rather interesting quotes. And I think uh, uh, rather apropos for our topic today. And it is now my pleasure to welcome to the show uh, editor, director, and filmmaker Roger Nygaard. Welcome him back to the show because he's uh, been a guest before. Roger has directed such TV series as The Office, The Bernie Mac Show, and edited Emmy-nominated episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm and Veep including upcoming seasons this year, or actually, I guess the season already started this year. Uh, Roger's indie features include the notorious documentary Trekkies, for all us Star Trek fans, the gritty comedy drama Suckers, uh, a, a documentary about alien enthusiasts, Six Days in Roswell. Oh, we never really talked about Six Days in Roswell, Roger. We have to talk about that sometime. And the spiritual documentary, which is how I got first introduced to you, The Nature of Existence, or What's the Point of Everything? Uh, The Nature of Existence was an official selection of 20 film festivals, won multiple Best Documentary Awards, and was released theatrically in 15 U.S. cities. Afterwards, Roger looked for a new topic, something even more inexplicable than existence itself, and only one topic could fit that challenge, the truth about marriage, which was screened at film festivals last year and uh, was released this year. And it is my pleasure to welcome Roger to the show to talk all about marriage. Uh, welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Roger. Uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, I think this is like my fourth time. I think we've we've get, we're getting to know each other pretty well. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and it it it's really been a pleasure. And I love following your work and and your stuff online. And and you, I, I tell you what, I really love about you is that you can really look at sometimes some very serious topics but you always have a sense of humor about it. And, and that, to me, it, it just makes everything uh, more enjoyable. 
Yeah, you have to laugh or you go crazy, right? right? And <laughs> life is a little bit absurd, and I, I really like to appreciate that. And all my document documentaries, for me, are about looking for the humor in humanity, no matter what the topic. And particularly, as you can imagine, marriage is quite a fertile topic. Oh, yes. Humor. Yes. And, and, and so let, let's just, uh, you know, before our first break, let's just, just give the audience some background. Uh, in the movie, you, you start off with some uh, alarming statistics uh, about marriage, right? What, what's the state of marriage today? Everybody kind of has a sense that the, the statistics are not good. Half about <laughs> half of marriages end, mm -hmm. and it actually gets worse. 60% of second marriages end, and 70% of third marriages end. Wow. So it actually gets worse the more you try, huh? <laughs> yes. And there's some, we can make some guesses as to why that's happening. But part of why I started on this journey to find out why is marriage so difficult, why are relationships so hard, is because of my own frustrations, my own failures mm. in my own relationships, I'm working out this obsession myself with how can I do a better job and just be a little happier. And I found there are little tiny things that any of anyone can do to substantially change the trajectory of your relationship starting today, right mm. now. All right, cool. We're gonna, we'll get into those after the break. I just want to ask you before we go to break, um, you start off uh, the movie uh, talking to your grandma, which I loved. And, and, and she really gives an interesting perspective. Um, you have a pretty good relationship with your grandma, I take it? Well, she, yeah, she is the matriarch of the family. She uh. lived to be 102. She's gone now. I interviewed oh. her in the film when she was 100. It took me seven years to complete this film. Wow. And luckily I got to her, you know, while she was still lucid and cogent, and as she was until into her hundreds, which is amazing. Wow. I mean, I'll, I'll, I hope I could yes. be as lucky as she is. But she, anyone who gets to that age has got some wisdom. And I, for instance, I asked her about love. Did you ever talk about love when you married my grandfather? And she said, love? No, we didn't talk about that. People just got married. That's what you did. More important was compatibility. You could be right. in love with somebody, and then you're together, and you find out he doesn't wash his feet. It's not going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly yeah you know my mom actually lived to 99 and a half and she just passed away last spring um and uh, you know it's the same kind of thing i mean when she married my dad i don't think love i mean but she she got married kind of late uh, for her age it was my dad's second marriage um and i know for him he, he had a, a young son that his first wife had committed suicide. And I know he, he, you know, his sister was taking care of his son and I know he, you know, he wanted a woman to, to take care of his kid. And I'm sure he, he wanted a relationship as well. Um, and, and I know from talking to my mom and my dad died a long time ago, uh, that it was more at that time she was feeling this pressure. She was quote unquote, an old maid, you know, she was over 30 and, and not married, which at that time was like, Oh my God, you know, you're going to be, uh, an old maid. Um, so, so there were sort of these practical considerations that today, you know, people don't necessarily think about as much. Today, we're, we're much more focused on uh, happiness, fulfillment, love, and, and, and we tend to forget that that's a relatively recent development, isn't it? Yeah, within the last 160 years, they can kind of pinpoint when this idea of marriage for love started. It's a very recent development in human yeah. history. Yeah. Okay, great, great. All right, so Roger, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, let's talk all about uh, what you discovered along your path uh, about relationships and marriage. And uh, we'll have some fun along the way, all right? Great. Sounds good. Awesome. Wonderful. So uh, everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. And we're talking to filmmaker Roger Nygaard, the show, and we will be right back after these messages. And 
welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with Roger Nygaard, creator of the documentary film, The Truth About Marriage. Um, so, Roger, you mentioned how it, it took you over seven years to film, and actually it took you much longer to create it, because I, I noticed there were some clips in the movie uh, of weddings and things that dated back to like 2005, 2006. Um, why did you, I, I mean, you mentioned about sort of your own thing, but why did you really say like, now is the time to create this kind of a documentary? That's a great question. I knew it was the right time for me. And that's all mm. I, my only real gauge, because I'm making a film that serves my needs and makes me happier and challenges me and puts me on an interesting journey. And the audience I'm guessing, hoping, is feeling the same thing. We're all feeling the same zeitgeist and needs the same knowledge, same information, mm. same awareness. And so as I learn about marriage, the origins of marriage, what we're doing wrong, how we can do better, everybody's doing it wrong is what they, <laughs> all the experts said. We're all doing marriage, doing relationships wrong, some a little bit less wrong than others. And But there are little things that we can do. You don't have to do any of these things, but if you want to be happier, it's a good idea. And right. so as I learn them, you come along on the journey in this documentary and learn them as well. Right, right. Okay, cool, cool. Um, have you ever been married? No, I've been oh. three times that I felt I was in a relationship where I was in love and I was imagining ah. it and I could see, envision the future. And that was the goal, As it, right? That's what it is. That's the right. goal in relationships. Why else are you getting together with people? You have an ultimate goal in mind. Right. And each time it ended difficult it was difficult the endings were difficult and painful mm. and it it didn't fill me with hope right <laughs> that, that it was going to go better next time right. so something was wrong and and i've learned so much how i was sabotaging things unknowingly mm. i didn't i had no idea where all the minefields were and what i was doing wrong and it's so for example a quick example what i one thing i learned is that we all have this idea we know what we need we have these feelings innately well i need this to feel fulfilled emotionally spiritually mm -hmm. and then we that's what we give our partner we give our partner these things that we feel like we need but the thing is our partner needs something different right. <laughs> we each need different things the masculine right. and the feminine have different needs or, or relationship vitamins and if we're giving the wrong vitamin to our partner they're mm -hmm. not going to feel satisfied in fact they're going to get more frustrated and they're doing the same thing for you so part of the journey, the learning curve, is to learn who and what you are, accept what you are, first of all, which is the hard part, accepting and loving yourself, right? Accepting what and who you are and what kind right. of a species you are. What, do, right. what are the needs of you, of your right. species, and you individually? And then your partner, because they're going to be different. And once you know and all accept right. those things, then right. you're on a path toward a much happier relationship. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, in the beginning of the film, you, you talk to a lot of these experts about sort of how marriage evolved and that the way marriage is today is nowhere near what marriage was like in the beginning. And indeed, just even the institution of marriage itself if you look at it over the span of human history, it's a relatively recent development, isn't it? Right. Well, if we say uh, traditional marriage, what, what, what era is represented by traditional marriage? You're going to think probably of the 1950s or maybe early 60s, somewhere in that 15-year span. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, humans have been around and coupling for 200,000 years. Our species has been here for 200,000 years. Right. The idea of marriage has only been a part of our consciousness for maybe six to 10,000 years of that, of that time period. I mean, 95% of the time we were doing something else. Right. What we're doing now is a very small period of time. So what were we doing during that 95%? Well, it turns out the anthropologists and the historians and the evolutionary psychologists have an answer. They, they have discovered or suggest through their research and data that the way humans naturally existed, and they call this the, the, the savanna principle, the way we lived on the African savanna, mm, right. is we lived in small tribes of 150 people or fewer. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew who was pulling their weight, who, their trading favors, their sharing. Their, uh, it's called reciprocal altruism. Right? Mm. You remember who owes you, and, and you, uh, you know who's not doing their part. 
we now put a, a label we call reciprocal altruism morality hmm. do unto others as you have them do unto you that was natural in order to live as a social being in a tribe that's a natural way of relating to mm-hmm. the, your fellow members mm-hmm. is to practice the golden rule mm-hmm. and that's what they were doing as well as sharing food shelter clothing uh, child rearing and christopher ryan in his book sex at dawn argues they're also sharing their sexuality mm-hmm. nobody would, had a proprietary feeling about their sexuality and in fact if they did they would be that would be antisocial behavior mm-hmm. and they'd be ostracized for that I behavior see. it wasn't it's a new, newer concept, this idea of protecting your own sexuality and being monogamous, which mm. is the nat- obviously the natural way of relating now. And there's a good reason for why monogamy is a better choice for our current culture. But what's changed since then is our culture has changed. We as a species mm. are the same as we were 100,000 years ago, but our culture has changed and evolved rapidly. Mm. And now it asks us to behave, our culture does, society, mm. in ways that are out of sync Hmm. with what's natural, a natural behavior for us. And so everybody's frustrated trying to reach these virtually unreachable goals that are, that our society, parents, friends, uh, institutions ask us for these ways to behave. And so this frustration leads to anger, difficulties, breakups, try again, switching partners. We think we're trading up, but we're just trading one set of problems for another. And all these unnecessary difficulties that could be we could be doing so much better with a little bit of knowledge nobody teaches us how to have a relationship in high school it's like here's the most important thing you're going to do in your life is have a relationship uh no training go figure it out right no wonder we're frustrated right exactly exactly and and, you know i've heard and 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 not necessarily exactly the way it was practiced ten thousand years ago uh, but I have through running the network and listening to so many different shows that there have been people who, who've moved to the United States from Africa and they talked about in their small village in Africa where it was like the children were raised by everybody in the village. And that, you know, if a kid did something on one side of the village before they got back home, their parents knew about it because everybody was watching everybody. So there was still some of that remnants of that very sort of collective attitude towards the people in the village not to say that the village was necessarily non-monogamous but just that that kind of thing where everybody was responsible for everything so you can still see that remnants even in modern times yeah imagine that you live in a community where everybody is connected Mm. and shares and has a sense of belonging and everyone loves everybody and I think we miss that feeling now yeah. in our society where you, we become more isolated. Right. We have families and extended families, but it's, those are becoming even more and more fractured yes. as yes. our society continues to treat us more as individuals. And it's very hard. It's, it's difficult. And we get lonely and frustrated and unhappy. And then we expect we, to find one partner who has got right. to satisfy all right. these needs that the entire tribe used to satisfy at right. one time. It's, right. it's yeah. virtually impossible for one person to do that. And so we get frustrated with our partner. You're not giving me my needs. Yeah. We're not designed to give each other <laughs> all of our needs. There, there was one uh, a great quote in the film. I remember when you were talking with, with uh, the, the, the poly couple where one woman said, we're not needs machines. You don't put a quarter in and get a need out. Um, that, that, you know, our needs are supposed to be met by many people, not just one person. Imagine how much better it would be and easier, right? If, if, and, you know, there was one person in the tribe who was the good storyteller, uh, one who was maybe the good hunter, one who was this, that, and the other. And there was less of a fear that you're going to lose your security if your husband dies or your wife dies yeah, or, yeah. or both parents die because everyone's taking care of everybody. Right. And when it all changed from right. the original way, the African savannah, the, the savannah principle, Mm-hmm. the way of living to the way we live now was about six to 10,000 years ago when we discovered the idea of agriculture right, and we stopped right. being nomads and stayed in one place growing our own crops. And then the idea of propriety occurred to humans. That, well, I live here. This is my land. This belongs. These are my animals, my wife, mm-hmm. right? My woman. And the, to this, this man, now the idea that since I own all these things, how can I be certain that I'm passing along my belongings to my genetic offspring. Right. 
So over time, one solution to that problem was to create this idea of a fence, putting a fence around women's sexuality, mm. a social fence. Right. And that's what marriage was. It's a way to control the sexuality of women, the sexual behavior, so that a man can be certain it's his baby. Because if, if he's out working in the field or hunting or what have you, he can't keep an eye on her 24-7, right. which they call that mate guarding in the <laughs> wild. If you can't do that, you need another way to feel confident that it's your baby. A woman knows it's her baby. There's no doubt it comes right. out of her. But a, right. a man... How can he be sure? You know, it's that old uh, mommy's baby, daddy's maybe. Mm. <laughs> well, marriage was a way to men protect their fragile egos and, right. and try to control the sexuality of women, which is ironic, isn't it, when you think about it? Yes. Yeah, it is. And, and it's also interesting because something you point out is that, you know, in the past, like even in the Bible, having more than one wife was always something that seemed more acceptable than a woman having more than one man. Again, going back to the whole idea that, you know, a, a guy can have several wives and he knows all the offspring of those wives are still his kids. But if a woman has several men, um, she doesn't know who's the father of what kid. Yeah, that's a problem <laughs> for that. There were societies where there were women with multiple husbands and it, it, that would typically happen much more rarely when uh, when resources were scarce. And so uh. you had to limit the number of, of babies. And what that only would work generally when the men were all brothers. Oh. However, the natural outcome of this idea of propriety was polygamy. And that's why in the, yeah, in the Bible, it's, it's sanctioned. It's fine. It's normal for men. The sin of adultery is only punishable for women, not for men. It's yeah. a sin for women. If you look in the Bible, the Torah, most of uh, religious texts, it's about men protecting their genetic line. That's what that was all about. Right, right. Okay, so uh, good history lesson. Um, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, let's talk about what can we do today to have more successful relationships. You, you interviewed a lot of relationship experts. You've got, got a ton of great advice. Um, let's help our audience to uh, work on having a better relationships today, okay? You got it. Awesome. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon Eastern to 1 p.m. right here on talkradio.nyc and on Facebook and all over the place on, on our video live stream. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking with filmmaker Roger Nygaard about his recent uh, documentary film that's out called The Truth About Marriage. And thank you, William, on the Facebook Live, uh, seeing all your comments. Um, yes, it's The Truth About Marriage. And uh, the website, Roger, is thetruthaboutmarriage.com. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, cool. Um, so we've talked about kind of the problems and the history and kind of where we came from. So what have we learned? What have you learned in this film from talking to all of these amazing people from around the globe? I couldn't believe like how many different places you went to to, to speak to these people. What have we learned about, uh, about successful relationships? And what does it take in today's world to have a successful relationship? Yeah, yeah that's what I wanted to find out. And I did. And part of it is really being mindful, number one, and remembering daily to do things like practice gratitude, a lot of thank yous. It's important to vocalize that, verbalize it daily. Thank mm. you, honey, for picking up the groceries. Thank you for breakfast. Thank mm. yous. It's important. Right. We forget. Another a related aspect of that is called capitalization, where if your, your spouse comes home and says something really wonderful happened today, it's very important for you to capitalize that on that and say, wow, I'm so happy for you that that happened. Uh -huh. Because if you don't, it counts against you. And if you do, it increases your happiness for the whole week to do that little thing. Uh -huh. uh, it's, I mean, I'm sorry, right? You've got to verbalize the I'm sorry. These are all right. kind of the obvious ones. Right. But when I really drilled down and what I coalesced, they were all saying kind of the same thing. And here's what it was. 
there's the masculine energy, the feminine energy, right? And, you know, right. We, we kind of agree that men on average have the more of the masculine energy and women have more feminine, but we all have both to right. some percentage. Absolutely. And sometimes it's reversed. Yes. The best partnership is when your partner has kind of the opposite energy of you. You need a masculine with a feminine. Right. It doesn't work to have two masculines and two feminines. Gay, straight, doesn't matter. Right. In, in the documentary, I didn't really get into gay marriage, and maybe for the mm-hmm. sequel I will, but because it's kind of irrelevant for relationships. It's really about the masculine energy and the feminine energy, and they have mm-hmm. different needs, different relationship vitamins. Here's the mistake we make. Men are terrible listeners. They don't <laughs> get it. It's not intuitive. And here's how you should listen. Guys, pay attention. If you learn one thing today, try this experiment for a week and see what happens. You're going to be shocked, I think, at how it's going to increase your passion, your happiness, your relationship. Everything's going to be better. And you're going to get to do more of what you want out of the deal. You'll get more, more yeses. <laughs> Go home, take your, your cell phone, put it on airplane mode every night for 15 to 20 minutes, whatever, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, it'll vary. And ask your wife or your, your spouse, your, your feminine person, honey, how was your day? How are you feeling about your day? And then shut up. That's the hard part. Men, they naturally want to solve problems. They want to litigate. They want to jump in. That's not how it's done. Active listening is being present, demonstrating your present, making eye contact. contact. TV is off. Cell phone is off. Honey, tell me about your feelings about the day. Because she's processing her emotions from whatever happened during that day and needs to, uh, it's a catharsis, needs to, to express it. It's just innate in the feminine. And you being the partner, her partner, are the person who she turns to. If you can provide that for 15 to 20 minutes a night, it's going to be a drastic change. And we forget to do that. Time goes on. You come home. You're tired. You watch TV. You, you get on the, the iPad, whatever. And you're not looking at each other. You're not, inter- you're not relating. You, she needs that vitamin. Now, now, women or the feminine don't take advantage of that. Don't ask for more than 15 to 20 minutes a night or this precious resource is going to diminish over time. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to have that. You, sh- you deserve it. But that's kind of the relatively, it's a good amount, because men's brains, the masculine, they can't handle more than 15 minutes or so of relationship talk. Dr. <laughs> Gottman calls it flooding. The brain, the masculine uh-huh. bra- brain, will over, get overwhelmed when you talk relationships beyond a certain period. It's just not designed the same as the feminine brain. Gotcha. That's what I learned about what can the masculine do. Hmm. If you do one thing, that's the one thing you can do to improve your relationships. Right, right. And and that's something that, um, yeah, I think most men just, it's not part of our nature. They say like even the symbol from the masculine, right? There's a symbol for masculine and feminine. There are two circles, but the masculine, it's a circle with an arrow coming out. And the women, it's a circle with like a cross on the bottom. And so the masculine, the arrow, it's like we're always pointed. We're going in a direction. We're problem solving. We're going somewhere. And when it comes to relationships, it's not about problem solving. It's not about going somewhere. It's just about being present. Exactly. Demonstrating, proving, being present with your significant other. There's a counterpoint to that. What should the feminine do to give the masculine the vitamin, give, give him what he needs? And... It's about accepting that your partner is different. And we all want connection, right? The, and the feminine seeks connection 24-7, wants connection. The masculine also wants connection. However, once he has it, he yearns for freedom. And so there's this mm. continual pull, and then it's this orbit between connection and freedom. And once he has freedom, he misses her and then wants to come back again. And if you try to get in the way and stop that orbit, you're gonna, it's going to cause frustration, which leads to anger and arguments and fighting. So right. how, do you, how do you best facilitate that? And it's going to take some uh, effort on the, the masculine's part to help facilitate it properly. And one of the best ways, according to the experts, Dr. Pat Allen was an uh, exponent of this, um, and Dr. Bonnie Eaker-Weil, both were really uh, suggested that what you should do, men, is announce your disconnection. Honey, I'm going to go golfing with my buddies. Mm. And at the same time, when you announce the disconnection, you announce when you will reconnect. And Uh. I'm going golfing with my buddies, and I'm looking forward to seeing you tonight at 7.30 for dinner. So now she knows you're disconnecting. 
Mm. when you'll reconnect and she feels safe and secure and also make sure you're home at 7.30 like you yeah. promised. Be a man of your word or call. Right. That's the best way to give both what they need and allow the masculine and the feminine to interact because we're designed to complete each other, not to be two duplicates. We don't, right. you know, you, two masculines don't work, two feminines don't work. Right, right. Regardless of whether it's a man and woman or woman, man and man, woman or woman. Whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, so one of the interesting things in the, the documentary was um, the different uh, couples that you followed or different people that you followed um, from sort of the beginning to the end of the film and who got married, who stayed married, who, who wasn't married. And one of the things I found so fascinating was that the, the one guy who was like the diehard most uh, uh, ardent bachelor in the beginning of the film by the end of the film was married and and he was someone you saw his character his personality you would never think that he got married but he ended up getting married w was he really happy being married from what you saw <laughs> he's still married still he's happy still married. his wow. name is don blanquito he's right. a rapper mm -hmm. with great you know, funny great music and he moved to brazil learned how to rap in Portuguese, learned Portuguese, Portuguese because yeah. he loved wow. Brazilian women and decided this is where I'm going to live for the rest of my life and enjoy being single amongst all these beautiful Brazilian women. He, one of his songs was Single Forever. Right. And he just <laughs> extolled the virtues of being a bachelor. Cut to six years later, and he's married with a daughter and has completely changed. It's really a story of redemption. Yeah. which is a great story. It's a wonderful story. Yeah. And he turned into a great father. How unexpected, right? Is right. it really unexpected, though, or is that that's kind of what happens? It's sort of natural. Right, right. And then what about some of the couples who, you know, seemed to be so happy when they got married, and then they didn't last, did they? Yeah, well, every time I would, you know, we all get invited to weddings. Right. And me too. And so I started bringing my camera when I went to weddings, and interviewing the couples and asking them questions because I was wondering, they seem so happy on this day and mm. so certain that they're going to beat the odds, but it's a coin flip. It's a 50-50 mm. coin flip. Right. What's going to happen? And I was curious, and I didn't know what would happen with any of these couples. I just started filming. I actually filmed five couples, and three mm. made the final cut mm. um, of the feature where I was at the wedding, and then it checked in three, five, or seven years later. And it was always surprising. It's, yeah. you, know, you know the old Woody Allen joke, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Right. <laughs> Nothing ever goes the way you expect or plan it to. Yeah. But uh, they're all dealing with it in different ways. One of the couples was, I was there when they were getting divorced, signing the divorce papers, and they talked about how their expectations had changed. Mm. And the polyamorous couple are still together, still mm. very happy. Here's something I learned about polyamory. Mm -hmm. unexpectedly, is that they're really a high-functioning couple. They do really well together, this polyamorous couple. Mm -hmm. And the reason, I believe, is not because they're polyamorous. It's because in order to be polyamorous, they have to be very open and honest about who right. they are and what they want from each other. One of the recommendations from the experts was to increase your chances for success in a relationship and increase your happiness and your success for longevity newlyweds should have premarital counseling where oh, and religious couples tend to do better than non-religious couples in terms of longevity and that's not because of their religion it's because they're forced to do premarital counseling right. by whatever their religious uh, institution is just so that you know what the rules are going in right, otherwise right. you're in for a lot of surprises right right absolutely absolutely um and actually i want to uh, uh, come back after the break uh, to sort of these non-traditional forms of relationships um, because we're beginning to see them more and more uh, talked about in, in sort of the, the public and the mass uh, uh, conversation happening right now. Um, so just quickly before we go, just one thing I want to know is there was one wedding that you filmed that was like in a sewer. <laughs> and I was just like, what were they thinking? Like, how did they <laughs> even find that spot to do a wedding there? It's funny, yeah, he just wanted to find a beautiful spot on the beach in Malibu. And they picked out this spot and set up everything and, had, and the, you know, uh, put down the, the, the white carpet for the mm -hmm. walk with flower petals. 
but they realized the reason this space was clear, there was no, but nobody in the way is because it was at the outlet of a culvert. It was dry season, <laughs> so there's no water coming out, but right. it was the sewer, technically. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. And they were the ones who ended up getting divorced, and I just thought, you know, having a marriage ceremony in a sewer, that's <laughs> kind of uh, uh, pretty ominous. All right, we're going to take, believe it or not, our last, I can't believe our last break of the show. Oh, my God, Roger, I could talk to you for hours. All right, so uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, I just want to talk about a few more things about sort of uh, uh, non-traditional types of relationships. And then I really want to end with sort of is, is this idea of a, rela- a successful relationship, is it a spiritual thing or is it a biological thing that really makes it successful, okay? You got it. All right, everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with filmmaker Roger Nygaard all about his most recent documentary, The Truth About Marriage, and it's an upcoming book. We'll talk about that too. Everybody, please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with Roger Nygaard all about his new documentary, The Truth About Marriage, which you've turned into a book as well. Yes, and uh, you're mentioned in the book, by the way, because when you were interviewing me for The Nature of Existence, you gave me some great suggestions when I said, I'm thinking about doing this marriage documentary, and you said, oh, you should talk to this person and that Uh person, and so I did track down... Uh, some of your people. Yeah, it was a pleasure to see uh, Marnie uh, Kagan in the film, who uh, is actually a former host on our network. She used to do a show called Love in the Afternoon. That was a very good show about uh, relationships. And the funny thing is she came on the show. uh, I met her through another host, uh, Larry Bloom, who is a divorce lawyer who was doing a show all about divorce. So we had divorce and relationships. So it was a great uh, juxtaposition. Um... I want to talk for just a couple of minutes about um, sort of the the new sort of alternative uh, relationship uh, structures that are becoming much more common these days. And and just uh, the other day, a friend of mine sent me a link to an article in uh, Time Out on timeout.com uh, something like, you know, why do I keep seeing this ethical non-monogamy in my Tinder feed? And, and where the woman was talking about, you know, what is this ethical non-monogamy, you know, polyamory? What is this all about? And does it really work and all that stuff? And, and you kind of, and actually, I, I love the fairy wedding that you filmed. Um, but the, the, it's really quite interesting. And what you said before, at least my experience of talking to people who engaged in this is, it requires a lot more communication, a lot more honesty. And so the people who get involved with these alternative styles, they tend to be just more conscious people in a way. Yeah, well, let's start with the problem. The way that dating typically occurs is I go on a date and I present my best version of myself right. to someone who's doing the same. So I have this mask. I'm wearing this mask, best version of Roger. And so it's a mask dating a mask. Right. right, and we try to hold these masks up for as long as possible it, for the duration of a relationship, and it's impossible. You right. can't hold it up forever, and eventually it slips, and the other person is shocked or is surprised. And I didn't know that you were. I thought you were this mask person, and it's uh, frustration results. Right. right. Now, if you can be honest about yourself from the beginning, then you're not going to have that problem. But that's so difficult. Yeah. Honesty is not. It's not innate. It's not natural. It's not what we're taught. Uh, Funny enough, we're taught to lie to each other. We're taught to present these false personas. The polyamorous community has to be honest with each other in order to to relate. It's a it's a requirement. And, uh, you know, honesty is the best policy. Right. It's better Mm -hmm. to take your lumps up front. They're much smaller lumps than if you put it off and wait until later but we do it it's natural we take the path of least resistance which leads to one little thing leading to another until it's a big disaster right. of a relationship but, but, so naturally people are looking at alternative ways of relating mm. with each other 
Right. And right. what we do now, what's natural is serial monogamy. Mm. We, you got to get rid of someone and then you can have a new person, right. which is essentially polyamory without keeping the <laughs> keeping old person the, your around, previous right. lovers. Right. Uh, but one of the points that one of the people in your film made was that you shouldn't be honest about everything all the time with your partner or partners. Um, that, you know, there is a little bit of uh, either holding your tongue or of, 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 of like saying nice stuff to, to smooth over the rough patches, right? Yes, right. That, here's the hard part. Yeah, when should, be honest? You, when should you be honest and when should you not be honest? And I really tried to find out an answer to that in the film and in the book because sometimes we use this, I was just being honest with you as a way to, to cudgel our partner in an yeah. argument. <laughs> and you have to buffer your honesty with sensitivity right. is how... William Doherty put it, one of the psychologists. Right. Do I look fat in these jeans? Yeah. Clearly, you don't want your partner's not asking for an honest assessment. Right. They're looking right. for support. Honey, right. you look beautiful. Yeah. I, That's I, what you have to learn how to to, to read the room. Right. right? I, I always answer that question, that type of question with a, "Is this a trick question?" <laughs> of course it is. And when I was talking to Marnie Kagan, yeah. it was funny. I asked her, "Would this be a good rule?" When someone asks, you know, am I the most beautiful person you've ever dated? Or am I the most handsome? Or am I the whatever? The last is always the best. Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and there's so many more. There's so many great relationship tips. There's so much great information in the film. I highly, highly recommend people uh, go out and see it and get it. Um, I, I do want to talk about the fact that you're creating a book out of the movie, which is the opposite of the way things usually come. But, but I just before we get there, I just want to touch upon this topic. Uh, we only have a few minutes, so we got to do it briefly. Th this whole idea of attraction and falling in love. Is this a, a spiritual, like two souls calling out to each other? Is it biological or is it something else? Yeah, we like to think with, that there's a soulmate. That's a natural way of thinking. And the experts typically are against the idea of a soulmate. It's destructive, mm. they mm. say, to think that way. It's better to think of finding a good person for you and then becoming soulmates over time uh. is a much more healthy way to approach the soulmate concept because a lot of things are out of your control we're attracted right. on a chemical basis you can't right. change your chemical structure or the people the person you're with so your body can sense whether you are a good chemical match we call it passion you feel it as passion right. but it's your body going okay this would be a good person to mix genetics and make a baby with because what they found it's based on primarily is complementary or opposite immune systems mm -hmm. you are attracted passionately we all are to someone whose immune system is much different from ours from your own because mm -hmm. then you're giving the the offspring the benefit of two different two dissimilar immune systems and a better chance of survival when you meet someone with the exact same immune system it's called the uh, mhc multi uh, uh the uh, histo histocompatibility complex mm -hmm. there's a hundred different apparently different types of immune system variations wherever you are on the spectrum the closer you are to someone the less mm. passionately attracted you are to someone so there goes free will right? right so there's that but then you can add a spiritual layer on top when you if you've got the basis the chemical basis and um the masculine phys uh, masculine and feminine opposites if you if you are a good match you can add the spiritual the uh your soulmate layer on top of it and grow into that over time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. So I want to ask you, um, you've decided to create a book out of the movie and usually don't they make movies out of books? <laughs> yeah, it's funny where this came from in my mind was I was at a film festival screening at the premiere of the film in Orlando, Florida. And I noticed there was a woman in the audience scribbling furiously during the movie and during the Q&A, I said, what are you writing? And she said, oh, I'm taking notes because my friend couldn't be here today and she needs to get a boyfriend. <laughs> so the film is filled with ideas for like right. to fix things, like to, to be more how to be more attractive, right. how to keep a relationship once you have it, right. uh, et cetera. And so I thought, well, I'm going to help you out. I'll t take the notes for you. And plus, there's so many tips and things I couldn't fit in the documentary yeah. that a book just seemed like a natural. Cool, cool. So what kind of response or reaction have you gotten from the film over the time that it's been out and over all the screenings that you've had with it? 
Funny enough, people like to talk about relationships and mm. think about relationships because it's what we do. We're social right, creatures. Right. And I can't believe it took me this long to figure out I should make a documentary about this right. because obviously we, it's foremost in our lives right. if, if, to be happy. The, 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 the lesson that I learned out of making this film after going through a decon- deconstructing marriage and looking for the problems and this is wrong and at the end is what, what for me it was, well, you know what? Life is better shared. We're meant to be yeah. together. That's yeah. the whole point. Watching a sunset with somebody makes that sunset so much more beautiful than watching it alone, experiencing life alone. Yeah. It's better. Even, even when you go through hard times, you're going to go through rough times. Of course you are. But right. then you've experienced life and you've learned what that lesson was, why that experience was sent to what it was sent to teach you. It's better. Life is better shared. That was what I came away with. Cool. Cool. And um, I'm just curious, you know, you're turning a book. I I heard you you mentioned briefly before you're coming up with a sequel to the documentary. Well, it it just seems like a natural to to, to, gay marriage is such an interesting idea. Uh, And the it's the same relationships are the same. It doesn't matter. But there's such a new and evolving social phenomena now with gay marriage that maybe the truth about gay marriage would make a natural follow-up i see that's one thing i'm, I'm considering yeah 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 um and and i just wonder if uh, uh the truth about alternative relationships because there are all kinds of of different relationships structures are, are happening now I've, I've heard about things i never heard of in the past of like non-hierarchical relationships and uh, I don't know. There's like so many different things now. It's hard to keep track of everything. M- m- maybe one day you'll do a workshop on relationships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's a very good chance I'll be back here talking with you all about it in the not too distant future. All right, I would love it. I would love it. And I, I literally, I could talk to you for hours about this stuff. Unfortunately, we're we're out of time. Roger, if people want to learn more about the film, learn more about you, where can they go? Where can they find more? Information. Uh, the links to find the video, whether it's Amazon or iTunes or the book, uh, is at my website, thetruthaboutmarriage.com. You should mm-hmm. be able to find all the information you need there. Awesome. Wonderful. And, and just promise me next time you make it to New York City, you let me know so we can get you here in studio, okay? You got it. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Roger. I appreciate you You're taking welcome. the time to come on the show. And I want to really thank all of our listeners and, and everybody watching on the Facebook Live um, please do me a favor. I feel this is such an important conversation. Uh, if you've gotten even just one thing out of this interview, please share it uh, with your friends, with people you know. Don't, don't keep us a secret. Share the video. Share the podcast. Uh, you know, the podcast, we're everywhere on Apple Podcasts, on uh, Spotify, and Stitcher, uh, everywhere. So please, please share and let people know about us. Um, thank you all for tuning in. Coming up next on talkradio.nyc, Voices of Courage with uh, your host, Ken Foster. And of course, we will be back with a brand new show talking to you next week, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, every Thursday. Thank you all for tuning in. Talk to you soon.